This episode is brought to you by Eufy Video Lock. Eufy is a smart lock with 2K cam and doorbell that's a three-in-one triple security, so you can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but it's also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated camera. It's easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver. It's got keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys when your hands are full. It also has a rechargeable battery that could last around four months, and you'll get low battery notifications before it runs out. Passcode unlocking with a remote control with 2K clear sight to see who's at your front door and control from anywhere through the app. And with enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. No monthly fee, unlike other brands that will charge monthly fee, you have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. This is the future. This is everything I love about what's happening with doors. In my opinion, this is an absolute no-brainer. I'm telling you right now, this is an absolute no-brainer. We installed them in the house, and it makes, especially when you have a family, it makes life so easy, so secure, so safe, and once again, so easy. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen and guns. Hey guys, brand new podcast. Um, on Wednesday, as promised, they come out every single Wednesday. I am burning, man. I am so happy with this podcast lately. I'm very proud of the hard work I've put into it. <laughs> I'm sick. I'm sick. We're renovating. The house is an absolute mess. They just tore down the girls' room today. And uh, I'm going to be posting a, blo- a vlog about it. Um, the vlog is coming back. Uh, I'm going to be posting them. I'm trying to find a <coughs> an easier system than the one I got <clears throat> going on right now. Shit. That's not what I meant to do. I meant to look up my tour dates. I know I'm in Sacramento, Syracuse. I'm in Syracuse. God damn. My brain has stopped working, I feel like, the older I get. Um, Tom Segura and I were going to be on AJ Hawk's podcast coming up. Take a look for that. Fucking getting down to the nitty-gritty of pro athlete telling us his real opinion. And once he sees us face-to-face, like side-by-side, if Tom hasn't minimized his screen, he's going to know. Syracuse Funny Bone, August 4th, 5th, and 6th. Stand Up Live, August 11th, 12th, and 13th. The Oddball Festival with Tommy Buns himself. The 25th in West Palm, the 26th in Tampa, the 27th (coughs) in Atlanta. I'm not on all of them, but Tom Segura is on every single one of them. I think you should head out. It's great fucking lineups. Uh... And then I'm in the Toledo Toledo Funny Bone, September 9th, 10th, and 11th. September 17th, 18th, and 20th, oddball again. The 20th ending at Red Rocks. That is my last oddball date. I was supposed to do seven. One fell out. I don't know if I'm going to replace it or not, uh, but that was the first thing Bun said to me when I talked to him when we talked about doing the oddball. He's like, dude, we're performing at Red Rocks. Holy shit, man. That is a big fucking deal. I'm so excited. Calling sick to work to, to calling mother God I'm fucking I haven't drank in a while so that's what's going on I think I'm detoxing calling sick to work show in Tampa with Cowhead my buddy I have a feeling Ralphie's going to be there I don't know I haven't had a firm confirmation on him 
on the 23rd of September. It's going to be at the Tampa Improv. I will go in. I will do Cowhead. I will drink. I will do Cowhead. I will drink from uh, from 6 to 10, and then we'll go straight to the club at 12 o'clock, do a show, buy your tickets. It will sell out because that next day we leave on the Cowhead Cruise. Mike Calta. Fucking Mike Calta. Whatever. God damn it. The Mike Calta Cruise, 24th through the 1st of October. Philadelphia Helium, Comics Comedy Club, Gotham Comedy. My hour special will be coming out right around that time on Showtime in October. I don't know when exactly, but it won't be Halloween, and it may be the week before. I don't really certainly know, but I will tell you when as soon as I know Dayton, Baltimore, Tampa, Morty's, Fort Lauderdale. I'm touring hard as shit. Oh, New Year's Eve. I am at the new club. I forgot. So that's it. Those are all my tour dates. Uh, if you get a chance, do me a solid. Go to TomSegura.com and get a Thomas Fat shirt. Wear it to my show. Wear it to his show. Take a picture. Send it to me. Uh, I also have new shirts that I'll be revealing very soon. You might have seen them on my uh, on my Periscope. And that's it. I'm a multimedia man until the end of this year. And then I'm going to reassess my life. But the podcast isn't going anywhere. I'm, abs- I'm really loving this podcast. And today's episode is a perfect example of why. Uh, Today's episode is with Miss Pat. I don't know if you know Miss Pat. She's one of the most downloaded podcasts that any of us have ever had. She is an absolutely a one of a kind. And we just ended up bullshitting. We hung out in um, Montreal and we just ended up bullshitting up front. I mean, we're talking about, I think we we're talking about the roast battle. I was so impressed with the roast battle this year. If you want to, we talk about roast battle and roast battle is so much of a fun live show to see. It's a great show on TV on Comedy Central. Jeff Ross. Um, Moses, I should have complimented Moses, but I go through and I compliment everyone. Um, I didn't spend too much time on Tony and Sarah because they're so fucking amazing across the board, but I, you know, I just went through and then it just flipped. This conversation flipped into what people need to have more conversations like this. Uh, Miss Pat started talking about, um, B- black lives matters basically because she has a son who's 14 and it was a great. It is a great conversation about race. It is very candid. We are both flawed. We say things to each other because we're friends that maybe we wouldn't say at a dinner table full of strangers. So remember that when you're listening to this. We didn't. We were just talking in my man cave. We didn't plan on a hundred thousand people listening to it the very next day and and throwing their two cents in. So she says some volatile things. I say some volatile things. We hug at the end. And uh, it's great. It's a great fucking conversation. I absolutely love Miss Pat. And I can't wait to see more of her on the big screen and on the small screen and hear her more on podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, without further ado, oh, Birth Conquerors on Tuesday nights on Travel Channel at 8 p.m. Uh, so TiVo it, throw it up online, f- fucking share it with your friends, watch it live. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, one of my very good friends, Miss Pat. This is All right. Now that we told all our secrets, that's the best part of podcasting. That's why podcasting was so good when it started is that is that we didn't know we, people were listening. And so we just would talk. Uh-huh. Like when I first started doing podcasts, we would talk so much shit about comics. <laughs> I mean, just like I, I ruined more relationships by just sh- trashing people. Just not even just not not even not caring, but just not like not knowing that 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 many people would listen. Yeah, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I mean, there were people that heard things I don't even remember saying. 
I was like, what? I said that? I was pretty fucked up. Well, yeah, we're recording. Yeah. I, that just happened to me. Um, <laughs> I was on Joe Rogan podcast, and I talked about my brother being a horrible mechanic. Yeah. And so he, my brother liked to tell everybody, Miss Pat is my, my sister. Miss Pat is my sister. Well, some late, one of his clients looked me up and said, dude, your sister on here saying you a horrible mechanic. And, and he called me. He was like, how are you going to say that shit? And then you tried to call me. And I was like, dude, I said, now, if I was lying, it would be okay. I said, but you did fuck up my car. What yeah. I did to your car, I said, the Green Montero, you told me you was giving me a head job. You put a fucking barbecue spatula in my car. To keep the fucking the spark plug from jumping up. I don't remember that. I said, I know, but you were not a mechanic at the time. And we argued like a motherfucker else. Then finally he texted me back to my, yeah, I did do that dinner. <laughs> I said, and you took my $300. Yeah. So I was like, I got to watch what I say. Because now my family, you know, they kind of think I got some money. I don't have no fucking money. But everybody... Everybody want to argue now. They, oh, how you say that shit about our mama? I said, well, we, we, I, I was pregnant at 14. Let's be honest. We didn't have the best mama. We, we wasn't born into the best situation. Yeah. You motherfuckers can stay and deny you all y'all want to. And so I'm just having real problems with them. They, they, black people see their relatives on TV and think they done made it. You could be on Cops and you still famous in the hood. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, you, you, y'all lost your fucking minds. It, well, you look at like, I mean... You're, I mean, you're probably the number one person I know that podcasting changed their lives. Yes, pod, let me tell you something. Podcasting is my Johnny Carson. Yes. Podcast has done for me what Johnny Carson did for comedians in the 70s and 80s. You, when you did, I was telling someone the other day, Um, I was in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And someone was, I said, you don't know Miss Pat? And they were like, no, who is she? And I was like, oh, my God, you got to listen to my podcast. And then they came down. They're like, I was listening. I fast-forwarded through the ads. And they were like, within a minute in, I was like, who the fuck is this person? <laughs> and I mean, but you're, but I think, I think podcasting changed my life, too, because I'd go on and do radio and do bits. I, now I'm having a really hard time in the industry because I don't know what the fuck. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing sometimes. Like, you go to Montreal and they want you to do eight minutes. And I'm like, I, I can't. Do what I do in eight minutes. Yeah. Eight minutes isn't a fair representation of what I do. Like, what I do is... And that's that's probably a lazy thing to say, but I just feel like eight minutes is hard to do eight minutes. Well, when you're a headliner, and they tell you to take your best bits and put them in eight minutes. You're like, dude. I, I stopped trying to do clever, funny drive through bits a long time ago. Like, what works there is a guy who's young and new... And he's thinking out of the box, and he's got zany stuff that would work on the road, but doesn't work on an hour for an hour on the road. Yes. And so, um, but yeah, podcasting fucked me up a little bit because it changed my dialogue with my on stand up. Because I feel like I get now I get on stage and I want to do more more of the longer form, true to life, fun stories, and less of like a bit. Like sometimes I wrote a I write a bit. I go that feels like a bit. Yeah, it's, it's just like a set up and punchline. So, yeah. and I think that's what comedy is getting back to. I truly believe that comedy is getting back to like it used to be storytelling. You know, stuff about you. Let me. I think the audience is looking more than to know who the comedian is, just to see you on the floor humping a fucking table yeah. or a chair. I think. I think they really want to know who that person. They they like walking away saying, "I was in that person's world for forty five minutes." Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that. And and you, 
I mean, I remember when you did Ari's first storytelling show. I remember talking to Ari, and he was like, I was like, how's her story? He goes, her story's fantastic. She's just too close to stand-up right now. She needs to get away from her stand-up and just be her who she is on this podcast. And then you did it, and I go, how was it? And he goes, fucking perfect. He helped me with that. He, yeah. I'm telling you, we emailed back and forth, and he really whipped me into shape for that. It's not easy doing this. Is, this is not happening now because he don't want the stand-up version. He want the story. So I had to go back in my mind and remember that my car had gold flakes, and I had the pistol in the baby bag and all of that stuff. And I, I gave it to him. I said, okay, I'm laying all this shit out that I really don't tell. And it became a great big for, bit for his TV show. It's the small details that make a story really great. It's the thing that, that – it's almost like a distraction almost. You tell someone something that they don't – and they're like, why am I hearing this? But it's interesting and it's factual and you're like – like that – I don't know. I, th- I think the audience liked it. I think they like when they feel like they're a part of it. It makes, I think storytelling make the audience feel like they're a part of your life. Like people call me rabbit because they heard me on everybody podcast yeah. and they know that was my drug dealer name. And when you say rabbit, a little button, a, a, a button go off in my head. Like what the fuck? Somebody know who the fuck I am. Yeah. I'm undercover as Miss Pat. But when you say rabbit, you bring back all that bullshit I ever done in my life. Felipe Esparza said uh, when people call him Batman, that was his drug dealing name. Uh-huh. Batman, he said. When they call me Batman, it throws me off. He's it, like, it, it takes me back to a different time in my life. Yeah, it do. And I walked in. Um, I walk into Mon Hour, and um, the funny bone and this lady, this guy, this white dude was like, "Where Rabbit. did you walk into?" I'm, I'm fucking up the name. Hour Demons. What well, how you pronounce it? Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I "Where the fuck word. were you in Europe?" <laughs> Sound like a half of the shit I say. Sound like I'm in Europe, but um. I, I go there and somebody that streams and he started hollering rabbit and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was like, don't nobody know who the fuck I am here. But it was some fans that heard me from podcasts. It's it's funny because that's the hour. That's stand up. And then you do like like you did the um, roast battle the other night and that's just straight joke writing. Uh, yeah, that's straight joke writing. And by the way, Raffamation to beat me. He had one gorilla joke on a black person. On a black person, you fat racist motherfucker, <laughs> rapping mate. And I hope you listening to this too with a titty between your legs, you fat fuck. <laughs> yeah, that was a, it was funny because I knew you had done it because I was there when you did it. And uh, I came home the next day that morning, and I was in, I was in the house, and I was like, "Oh, we should watch roast battle tonight." I didn't tell Leanne you were going to be on it. And you popped up on the screen, and Leanne goes, "Oh my God, is that Miss Pat? Miss Pat?" And I went, "Yeah." And she goes, oh, "She looks beautiful." That's the first thing I said to you when I saw you in Montreal. You yeah, look fantastic. I, well, people don't realize I lost like fifty pounds. Really? Yep. I started. I stopped eating. Started exercising. I see you working out on your uh, Periscope. Yeah, yeah, I started. I started. Uh, I started exercise. I don't get to put it on there every day because I'm yeah. like, I can't have this shit every day, y'all. Some days I, I just uh, ain't this shit to my hair. Uh, I just can't. can't let you in my life every day. But I'm working out. I hired, I hired a personal trainer, and I'm just trying to. I'm trying to. To just live better, make, you know, feel better. I feel so much for, let me say, I'm so close to tying my own shoes. My kids are so fucking happy. I'm close to, I, can I tell you something? What? That's the realest fuck, the realest thing. People talk about, I've been going through, I don't know, I don't know if you know about the Tom Segura thing, got back and forth about who's oh, fat. Oh yeah, and they like you getting fatter. Oh, they fucking love it. But, but it, when people call you fat all day, all day long, every day of your life. You yeah. start it starts weighing on you, but what's crazy is 
it's when you start. I'm trying to lose weight, but when you try, we're losing weight. Like the littlest thing, it brings joy to you. Like being able for me, but be like, I got to the point. I haven't lost a ton of weight, but I know I lost enough weight where I can shave my balls. And <laughs> like before that, it was just a bunch just of guesswork. Le- like just I just Leanne was shaving. No, oh no, no, no. I'd never let her down there. <laughs> but like the, you know, like just and it's like just comfortable clothes. Yeah, like just sitting on a plane in jeans. Oh, uh, and not asking for an extension. Yeah, I'm always asking for an extension because I got a big ass and plus I was I'm fat. But um, I, I just feel so much better. You know how nice it feels to see your drawers go all the way up under your titties. <laughs> <laughs> they used to stop right at the bottom of the other. You know, I got two stomachs. They usually just stop. Today I pulled them all the way up to my titties. So I called my husband. I say, "Ah, oh, my fucking panties can touch my bra." <laughs> Wait, what, what? So what were you doing? Are you just eating right? Uh huh. I cut back on like, the. Eat. For me, it's booze. It's, it's I don't like drink it's alcohol. super. Yeah, it's super easy. If I just stop drinking, I just start losing weight. Yeah, and then and then if I can get to a manageable weight, I can start drinking again and maintain there. Well, I just the bread. Uh, stop drinking sodas. Um, you drink? You don't drink diet sodas? Mm-mm, I drink a little unsweetened tea. Uh-uh, I stopped all of that. Really? And my skin look better. I f- I smell better. I think I feel better because you know I went through a surgery. I had a couple of hernias. My stomach started hurting. Really? So I was in the hospital a couple months ago, and I had a couple of hernias. And I just said, you know, I got diabetes, or high blood pressure. I'm taking this medicine. I'm like, I'm sick of being fat. And then you know, Bert, I've been married for over 25 years. I haven't been on top in 23 years. <laughs> really i haven't been on top in in in, a, in, a, in about a few months uh, maybe a year there's no getting me on top my arms start giving out i'm like no this isn't happening and i just think there's got to be disgusting for her to just feel my gut on her stomach not when she love you because my husband got a gut too when they love you that was, we don't see none of that shit but i'm already got saggy titties and shit i'm like i'm finna fix myself you gotta compete with the young hoes oh. you know my dream i just want to i just want a navel ring really that's all i want I that is so that. sexy I, every time i see a bitch with one i want to kick her in her navel oh that's so funny yeah my dream is i want to uh I I don't know my goal weight. My goal weight is pretty manageable. It's like I just want to get to like two twenty. Like I just want to trying to do one seventy five. I was I, and I'm not afraid to say. Most people are afraid to talk about their weight. I was at three hundred and forty seven pounds. That's when, the heaviest I ever been. Really? Yeah. And I, I actually I made a bit about it because my kids hate oil in my feet and tie my shoes. And my son graduated in two years, and I was like, I gotta lose weight. I don't even have nobody to fucking tell my shoes. graduating two years. I yeah, and weight. he's sick of me. They are sick of tying my shoes and helping me pull my girdles up and button up my bra. I got, I got to a place where I had a hard time wiping my ass. Oh. I pulled a muscle wiping my ass one time. Really? Yeah, I pulled a muscle. I was, it was, it was right before New Year's. Um, <laughs> this last past New Year's, the fattest I've ever been. I didn't. It was. It was in. It was in November. It was in November, and I and I. I weighed myself and I think I weighed 255 and I was like, I was like, I was like, shit. And then I had like a blowout weekend where I was like, I'm only 255. Who gives a fuck? I'm eating wings and pizza. And then I came home and I was going to wipe my ass and I, I felt a muscle. I wiped from the front too, by the way. And so, oh, yeah, I know. Uh, you got shit on your balls, Bert. No, I know. I, I just. <laughs> that's how females wipe. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what, that's what I was taught. And so, uh, I wasn't taught. I just did it. No one stopped me. And so I would pull the muscle on my back. I went, are you fucking kidding me? Like trying to put on roller skates and you, you pull it, you get like yep. a stinger in your back. You're like, son of a bitch. And so, <laughs> so I was like, I'm losing weight. I got down to 
235. And then I've just been going back and forth this whole this whole spring, this, uh, winter, spring, summer. And right now, right now, um, I'm not happy with where I'm at, but I'm on a, I'm on, I'm, I'm, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel a tad bit. Yes. Cause I'm like, I just like, I partied really hard in Montreal. Well, I had a problem wiping my ass too. And my arms are really short and I'm short and, and I got a big butt. Yeah. So when you got a big ass and you got to wrestle your way in and hope you pull everything back out, I was like, no, nah, this, I mean, I almost felt like I had Tarek's arms. <laughs> yeah. That's how short my arms was and how big my ass was. So I was like, no, nah, I, I got to lose weight. My wife, uh, one time, this was probably recent. It was when I was big, wiped my ass, got on the treadmill and I was like, I just felt, I felt like a like a burning, like I was like son of a bit, like something's going on. And I walked inside. I go, I, I was like, hey, I'm gonna take a shower. Will you look at my asshole? And she's like, I have no interest in looking at your asshole. I know, I know something's wrong with it. And we're getting ready to go out to a wine tasting. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. So I take a shower. I I wash, and then I get. In, I'm totally dressed. I get into the kitchen. You got I drop a peanut my, in your. Eyes. I got. A, I got no. I got a, one of those. Uh, I the uh, dingleberry like the the toilet paper wrapped up in hair. And I was like, <laughs> and it was just, every time I was walking, it was the hair pulling. <laughs> and I was like, son of a fucking. <laughs> uh, yeah. Toilet paper, uh, shaving your ass for you, Bert. <laughs> I know. That's it was, when you know you fat. That's when you, man, there's been a bunch of times where I've been like, where I, where I've just kind of been like, holy shit, man, I need to really like, just moments of clarity is like what they are. I, I, but you know, like I watch, I see Joe Rogan working out all the time. A fantastic body, and but it's got to be mental. You know, when you've been eating good, and when you choose food over the gym, and you look at other people, and, and that's what I was like, I can't die like this. Well, someone said to me the other day, they go, "So what's the purpose of eating? Who was I with? I was with the, my buddy Eric. He goes, "What's the purpose of? I mean, he goes, you can do." Those diets that are like hardcore, you know, mm-hmm. my, my dad's, my dad's buddy's on a diet that's 500 calories a day, chicken breast and broccoli in the morning, fish and broccoli at night. And you got to eat a lot of broccoli. And he's like, and he's birdies lost like 15 pounds. And it's been like three weeks, two weeks. And I was like, wow. And my buddy's like, well, yeah, you can do that. But then when you get off it, you go back fat, you go back fat. And that's what happens to me is I go, I go healthy when I'm home and I drop weight. And if I get an extended stay home, I drop weight. And then I go on the road, and I'm like, I'm back at comedy clubs. Yeah. It's really hard to eat healthy on the road. I stopped eating at comedy clubs. I, you have to. Everything is dipped in fries. I just stayed gay. I just started buying my own shit. Like when you get there? Well, I just, yeah, when I get there, I usually buy my own shit. And to keep me, you know how you always want to eat? I started buying those little protein packs. You know, the little power protein. Oh, yeah, they got yeah, nuts yeah, yeah, yeah. And berries. So I just buy that even when I'm on a plane. So, because you know, when you like to eat your mind, I would say, eat, 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 eat. So I just started shoving that shit in my mouth. I get into a place, like, I think I have a real addiction with food because I get into a place Everybody where. Everybody got addiction. No, mine's, mine's like, my, I can hear. I can hear. You know what? It, uh, when you see a movie and you're like, and the drug addict is holding it together by like the skin of his teeth and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden someone does something in front of him he's like fuck it and then he just goes down and starts blowing the dude and smoking crack and mm-hmm. you're like oh man I, did, I had that moment with food where I was like I was in Chicago and there was there was a there was there was a delay on my flight and I was hungry and I was like if I can get on the plane I won't eat 
And then they're like, we're going to be delayed 45 minutes. And my brain's like, you got to fucking eat. And I walked right over to McDonald's, ordered four cheeseburgers, took off the bottom bun, folded them up like tacos, and murdered them. And just, I mean, I went to a hiding place because I was afraid someone was going to fucking see me and take a picture and be like, oh, look at this fat ass eating. And I was, <laughs> no fries, Diet Coke, and just, and put half the bread. So I figured that's the healthy part, right? Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> no. McDonald's. Yeah, McDonald's was a fucking... Um, <coughs> well, you're an inspiration. I want to lose. I want to. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get down. This is my goal. I walked through. You know what I started doing? This what? is how I started with my grandbaby and my daughter-in-law in the morning. We started to walk a mile, and each week I added a mile, so I'm up to three miles a day. Really? And when I'm on the road, I get on that treadmill, and I do at least two to three miles, and then I just try to work out my arm. Like I, I'm not at weight yet, but I can do. I do do three miles a day. That's all you got. You know, someone told me the number one thing about dieting is just or losing weight is diet. If you can eat healthy, yeah. and eat responsible, and I'm doing that right now, and I'm losing weight. I'm definitely losing weight from from like Calgary. I, my problem is like that. I went to Calgary with Ari. And I went off the fucking rails. It was like, because they're all young. Not yes. Ari. Ari's my age. But like, everyone was with was young. And they were all just, let's get a pizza when we got done drinking. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what am I going to lock myself in the room like fucking Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Like, I, no, I'm going to eat I, the fucking pizza. And I was like, I'll have a piece of pizza. And then you have one. You're like, fuck it. I already, I already ate one. Let's and fucking then they eat don't even gain weight from eating that bullshit. None of them. They're like, they're like, oh, that pizza really soaked up the alcohol. I'm like, uh, let's order another pizza. <laughs> How did you enjoy Montreal? Uh, I liked it. That stuff gives it catches me off guard because I, there's a lot of people I know but I don't know their names. Okay, and that I makes me too. that makes me nervous because I'm afraid I'm going to offend someone that might want to work with me. Oh, you talking about industry? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, you 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 just talk to them like you know their name. That's what I do. Really? Yeah, that's what I do. I don't know people' name either. Yeah, but you I, can get away with it. You got like a you got like a whole thing that comes with you. <laughs> and like and pe- you know like people fall in love with you the second you meet them and you can just be like I don't know your name what's your name and they'll be like oh, oh, oh this is how we met last time oh yeah I'm, yeah but with yeah. me it's like Bert I've known you for 13 years and you're like oh yeah I've never got around to figuring out what your name was well it was <laughs> just ask I mean just be honest I mean you would get the older you get your sight go your memory go you, you got a family you doing shit at your house you can't remember everything so just say hey excuse me what's your name again I just hang out with Ari and tap him on the shoulder I go who's this guy yeah Ari He's probably like, knows Ari knows everybody yes he Ari does. Big J Okerson they know fucking everybody they yeah. know I mean they know people that they know people that book like open mics in Wichita <laughs> <laughs> and Wichita don't even exist to some people. Like, what the fuck? Tell is me about Wichita? it. Oh, you don't know him? Oh, he works. Uh, he does a, a room down in Atlanta. And you're like, how the fuck would you? Like, I would never remember that. Yeah, Ari knows it. Everybody knows Ari. Everybody. Everybody. My kids knew Ari from that racist shit he was doing. Oh, really? My son thought that was the most hilarious shit when he went in that when he went in that um, that black cleaners with the KKK thing. Yeah. And he was like, Mama, you got to see this. And my son was in the flow laughing. I was like, that is the racist shit I ever seen in my life. It's, man, Ari, My son loves Ari. Ari does not give a fuck. And that's what I love about him. He Ari don't give a fuck to the fact that he went and got him a flip phone. Oh, yeah. I think I told him the other day we're, we're sitting in a, in a living room and he's got his flip phone and he's on an iPad and he's walking around with an iPad. And I go, you know, hey, if that was all in one place, like you had your... 
just your phone. You could do it on your phone. You wouldn't need to get, fly around with an iPad and walk around with like an iPad with like a child whose parents don't trust them with the internet. Yeah. Um, so how did you get how did you get ready for the for the for the roast battle? I had friends. Uh, I came up with a lot of stuff, and I had friends that also helped me. Yeah. Because you also need an extra ear, somebody to help tweet it. But um, I didn't really want to do the roast battle because I don't like to be talked about. And I'm not, I don't take, I don't take you, um, you know, you're going to call me fat, but I don't take to that really well. And I would like to knock the fuck out of you. Yeah. But my manager was like, we'll go up to Chicago and give it a try. And I was like, oh, fuck. And he's like, it's Comedy Central, Miss Pat. They're inviting you to do shit. So I said, okay. And I went up there and I did really well. I was like, it wasn't that bad. It's over. I didn't, you know, I didn't think I won. Then they invited me to, to Montreal. And then I had to go up against Raph and I was like, oh, shit. Because Ralph yeah. is very funny. He's Ralph very is funny, fun. and that's his sweet spot. Is you is you think is those those roast battle jokes? Yeah. So but he didn't do as well as I thought he would do. No, you know what he didn't do? He didn't. I don't think he did his research because it was so much shit he could have hit Mike Lawrence with, and the jokes he used on me was just you know it was kind of generic. Like he did a uh, Bill Cosby joke. And not to say he got it from there, but the boy in, in the, the boy in Chicago used the same type of Bill Cosby joke on me. Yeah. So you know, I didn't think he prepared like Mike Lawrence and me. And he did not. I, I don't think Ralph. I, I really think Ralphie went in and winged it. Like I don't think he. I think he had like one or two jokes written, and he just tried to come up with shit on the fly. Yeah. Because he did not. Like I was expecting him to bring out the big guns. And it was you know it was, it was okay. Like I, I looked at the whole thing as a, as a whole, and it was a toss up. You know, but like, <coughs> I didn't think, I don't think, I could not have done it. Like when I saw you up there, I was like, I, I could not be standing where you're standing. You know, but you know what, Bert? I had so much fucking fun doing it. Really? I, I would do it again. Cause I've, I've never roast before. Yeah. So this was brand new for me. I mean, being there and that scenery on, on that type of TV, it was new for me. Yeah. But I walked away. I was not mad that I lost. Yeah, I was not mad. I thought that you came graphic- out. You came out best case scenario because you don't. Uh, this is the way I looked at it. You want to go out early. You don't want to be lasting because the more you last, the more people point out your flaws, mm-hmm. and the more people see you for weak instead of strong. You got to be a murderer to come out of that. Like my hats off to Sarah Tiana, to Earl, mm-hmm. to Mike Lawrence. Mike Lawrence. Is Mike Lawrence life. fucking murdered to Trevor K. Trevor Wilson. Yes. The, uh, those guys. But they roast every weekend in New York and in California. I've never roasted before. Not making up no excuses because I thought I brought, I did my best for my first time around. But I would like to do it again. I mean, Sarah Tiana was fucking hilarious. The reason they did so well is they seemed to be disconnected from it. Like, you know, like all those names, like Ralphie, even myself, like when I watched Ralphie, like I noticed that. Someone would give him a critique, and he would just get fucking mad. Because he'd been doing it a long time. And it's hard. Rich. It's really hard, and he's a fucking pro. Yeah. And it's really hard to take a note from Seth Rogen, who ain't never did stand up. Yeah, and all he's done is did a movie about stand up, and now everyone believes he's a stand up, and he can be celebrated there as like a, a genius. And his opinion and Judd Apatow, who Judd Apatow's a stand up, but like their opinions are more important than Ralphie's or Jeff. You know? Yeah. Like, and that was the kind of shitty thing I thought was that. You bring in people that aren't stand-ups to judge, and they got their two cents. Like like Jimmy Kimmel. I like Jimmy Kimmel. I'm not shitting on Jimmy Kimmel, but he said something about Jimmy Carr, and I felt like going, Jimmy Kimmel should be very careful talking to Jimmy Carr like that. 
because Jimmy Carr is a fucking monster. Man, I don't. No, I, I'm sorry, but I, I didn't see Jimmy Carr losing that. I did not see Jimmy Carr lose it. You know what it was? He was Earl was surprised. Like, fuck, you picked me? Well, because oh Jimmy God, goes, I, I can't get past the notebook. And I went, first of all. That's his style. That's his. That's part of his act. It's not. It's like you saying, Miss Pat, take your wig off. No, motherfucker, this wig come with me. Jimmy Kimmel saying that, I couldn't get past the notebook. I felt like going, don't say that out loud, Jimmy Kimmel, because you are respected in comedy, but you're not as respected as Jimmy Carr. Jimmy Carr is the fucking top of the mountain. When, when he roasts, and, and the, the big problem Jimmy Carr had is that he had done a lot of his A jokes last year, not knowing there'd be a TV show this year. So he couldn't just go through and use older stuff because we'd all heard it. And so, like, I remember last year, Jimmy, Carr's, Jimmy Carr, someone said something about Jimmy Carr's mom. And he said, well, if you'd like my comeback, you'd have to, you'd have to wipe it off the back of your mom's teeth. And the place ah! went fucking nuts. And Jimmy Carr just... Jimmy Carr is a monster. Jimmy yeah, Carr is richer than Jimmy Kimmel. He's richer than if you combined all the comics that he, showed up there. Who is he? Jimmy Carr is one of the wealthiest fucking guys in the world. He's one of the most successful stand-ups in the world. No questions asked. Really? Oh, yeah. Over here? In England. Oh, okay. He got chastised by the prime minister for evading taxes. The prime minister chastised Jimmy Carr on national on their national television saying that he was not being a proper citizen or whatever <coughs> Jimmy's got cars got so much money he was he was shuffling his money to offshore oil rigs like offshore uh, not oil rigs um shell companies to try to hide money that's how fucking much money he's got really? and when and when Jimmy Kimmel was like like even Earl will say that was a fucking that was a Cubs win the World Series moment. That was because I did not see Earl win. He did a great job, but he was out of he joke. Was, no, no, he yeah. was out of fucking joke. He had no joke at the end. Earl was great because Earl approached it like like it was. He approached it like it was bigger. He brought more to it than what was there on the stage. So he walked out with a clipboard, broke it over his knee, said, "I don't need that. I got them all up here." Earl knows full well. Jimmy Carr doesn't need it either. His yes. jokes aren't even fucking written on there. I'm certain. He just uses it as like a oh, a oh well, let me let me take a look at this real quick. Oh, here's one. All right, there we go. But Earl doing that, it fucking set the stage to like this is this is next level. Earl came out in a costume every time, yeah. and that was it was really smart because he brought the theatrics to it. I I was hoping Earl would win the whole thing. Earl's one of the funniest guys. I don't think he gets enough respect, in my opinion. When you watch on the roast battles when they have it at the comedy store, Earl snipes in with comments from the audience, and that's his job. Every time, funnier than anyone that's on the stage. Every fucking time. He was hilarious. Mike Lawrence, a beast. I did I did new faces with Mike Lawrence. And, um... I, you know, we at that time it was eight years ago, six years ago. So I don't, I don't even remember his stand up. But when I got into this competition, everybody was like, Mike Lawrence is gonna win. Mike Lawrence, and I knew he's a him great from, uh, yeah, he's a great joke writer. I told him, joke writer, I said, I got a project. I think I can use you for. Yeah. And I know he think I'm bullshitting, but if it goes, I'm like, I'm coming to get you. I, I got a voice that you can write for. Yeah, he's, he really fucking, him. 
K. Trevor Wilson's hilarious across the board, but I knew that last year. Mike Lawrence really stood out to me. Oh, you know my funniest joke? And Raffi went online and, and, and got mad about it. When he said, black people love you because you bust through the wall like the Kool-Aid, man. I damn near wet my panty liner. I said, that yeah. is the, f- why the fuck did I think of that? Black, I'm black and we like Kool-Aid. Yeah. Man, he was so fucking funny. If you had said it, it would have been 10 times funnier. Ralph, when you came out on stage, I first got excited because I'm black and you busted through the wall like Kool-Aid. That would, uh, that would have been like, that was a great joke. But after he beat Ralph and he came to me, he said, I beat him for you, Miss Pat. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you can't, that's the other thing is you can't take it personal. No, you I cannot. Took it, take I would it take it personal. I kind of took it personal with the gorilla joke because I'm like, y'all, come on. Okay, that was his best joke. I still walk a mile in Raffi's shoes. You be the first to walk a mile in Raffi's shoes. Yeah, that was a good joke. I was like, I had two other good jokes after that. So, but you know, it, I can always come back next year because I'm, my, my name is not as big as Raffi. I was thinking right, about writing. I, I thought in my head, I was like, last year, I was like, I'll write all year. For this, I just all all year, just throughout the time, I'll write roast jokes of fat or this or that, and then I, and then I was like, oh no 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 no, that's right. I don't want to be roasted. I don't want anyone to make fun of me or point out my insecurities because I will, they'll, I'll be fucked you up. You should do it. You should. No, uh-uh, they couldn't. should do an all star. It is so fucking fun. I have a hard time with that, and I and I can be honest with you, I admired you, and uh, oh, you know who else was really funny it was fucking Mark Norman. He was only in, I think, the first round, but he was really funny. Mark Norman, he tours with Amy. No, I don't remember him. He was really funny. He battled Tony. Battled Tony. Tony's a beast at that, but oh. Tony does it. Tony does it every when fucking Tony week. When Tony walked out in that fucking armor suit, the, that dude killed Tony. But that was a battle. It was back and forth, back and forth. And I think the, the only thing, only reason why Tony won is because he didn't have a last joke. That last joke about health care. It was like, oh. Wait. Who did Tony Tony Tra- um K. Trevor Wilson? I think it was Trey 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 uh Trevor, what whatever his name is. He told him you're the only fat person in Canada that uh don't have health care or some shit. Yeah. But he that that was a hell of a battle. And that was the funny line was someone saying, uh the f- best part is watching Tony get eliminated in a in a night suit. Yes. In an armor suit of armor. Oh, no, when he told Tony, he said, um, it's a, uh, something about he's a bitch. He, he, he's gay. Yeah. That line killed me too. But it's like someone says something. Here's what I, I don't like about Rose Petal. Is someone say, someone will go, uh, you guys may not know this, but Tony hit his last girlfriend. And everyone's like, Tony hit his last girlfriend? Which I'm sure is a fucking lie. It was a lie. Yeah. And you're like, you can't say that. Like, because now, now, now everyone's like, Tony beats women. I was thinking like, I was thinking, I'm a, and I'm a woman, like, what bitch let that little man hit her? Yeah, the, Tony does not hit women. I and know so, he don't hit women. So in my head, I'm like, don't fucking say that. And you just go up and say, um, <coughs> Ralphie's father was the head of the Ku Klux Klan. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> you guys didn't know that? And they go, there's no joke. All right, next one. <laughs> yeah, they lied on Tony, but it, it was great. I'm glad I did that. I Thank was really proud of you. I was you. proud of you and like, not, not I say proud of you. I didn't mean it proud of you like, like proud of you that like, I'm so happy. I was... I admired what you did. I admired what, that Ralphie did it. I admired that you did it, that Mark did it, that I, when Tony did it, that like anyone, I mean, Earl, I I, had, I was like, I'm glad Earl's doing it, but Earl, that's part of Earl's baby. That's part of Earl's life. That roast battle is something he's been on for years. So that's, he I, He claimed ownership of that, in my opinion. But like, and same with Sarah. Sarah's a beast on that. 
That's I'm, it was cool to see her and K. Trevor Wilson, who I feel like owns a little piece of that too, because he did it last year and did so well. And Jimmy Carr, it was cool to see them do it. But at the same time, <coughs> someone like yourself, I was like, I, I just looked up to you. I was like, I couldn't be there. I could not be standing. I, you know what? I felt real special because I was the only black person on there. On the whole thing. Yeah. So it, it, to me, it was like, <laughs> it was like people rooting for Obama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was fucking crazy. Did you have a good time the rest of the week? I did. I did. I did a. Sh- I did Kevin Hart new Laugh Out Loud show. How was that? It was good. It was really good. And I did a show at the Comedy uh, Nest, and I just hung out. I just hung out. That's uh, the best part. But what do you do when you don't drink and you hang out? What do you do? Just talk to people. Just talk to people. Meet people, Fuck get to that. know people. Half of the time, my representation was there. I felt really good because this time I had representation. Last time I didn't, yeah. so I just hung out with my manager. I went to go watch a few shows. I met your manager, John um, McDonald. He yeah. brought me to your house last time. Oh, that's right. I thought I was like. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, he's like, hey, Bert. And I was like, wait, how the fuck do I know you? And then, <laughs> and then he said his name. I go, I know you. And he John, was like, yeah. John McDonough, he's a, I'm going to tell you, he's a great guy. It's hard to find somebody who really cares about you in this business. And I call, let me tell you, he's so good, I call him my white daddy. <laughs> that's how good he is. He turned pink every time I turn, tell him that shit. He's like, Miss Pat, I don't think that's appropriate. But when you can actually find people who care about you in this business, I mean, literally about you, not about how much dollars you're going to put in their pocket. And that guy cares about me. He, he took me when nobody else wanted me. He turned my career around. He was honest. He's like, no, this fucking joke is too easy. And we will argue. Fuck you. You don't know shit. Da, da, da. Yeah. And then, um, uh, he he's always right. I mean, he's the guy that got the uh, Kings of. Com- no, I'm sorry. The uh, what's that redneck of comedy with uh, the blue collar comedy? He tour. started that. Yeah, they all started that. To- yeah, him and his partner started that. So he knows a lot about comedy, and he turned my career around. It's great when you got this business is so filled with bullshit that, and people that, that say they. Know. That they say that will say that they're your friends, but really not your friends. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. So it's hard to find somebody who really give a fuck about you. I gotta send a tweet for uh, Travel Channel real quick. Hey guys, Travel Channel Bert Conquers airing every um, Tuesday again. Uh, I tried to post this video that's so fucking funny, and uh, I got blocked from scripts. So bummed out. It's the funniest fucking thing. Let me see. It's it's I it's it's up. Hang on. One Is second. it you flying in the air with no clothes on, Burke? No. So are you guys in a com a competition for this Burke is fat? Is whoever loses the most weight? I don't even know. Now we're ju- we're just insulting each other. <laughs> That's so all we're doing. Who lost the most weight? Tom's never gonna lose weight. Tom's Tom's is Tom's born like that. Like he's got those Peruvian genetics that like that like those low mountain Peruvian genetics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's just never gonna. That's never gonna happen. Is he trying to lose weight? He's trying, but he doesn't. You know. You mean it's let tell me tell you me. something. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna say something. Let me tweet it. Post this. It's 11 minutes. Um. Oh, let me see. Okay, watch Birth Conqueror on Travel Channel at eight seven Central. I learned to fly with the help of jetpack roaming gnome. All right, all right. There we go. My obligation is done. Um, I said this. To, I said this. I'll say this to you, but it's going to sound racist. What I'm saying, but I'm saying it to you as a friend. Okay. And if I'm wrong, correct me. Okay. But sometimes I think, I think black people almost like 
have the weirdest view of what a good diet is. You fuck yeah, we like soul food. Yeah, like like we I, don't know why y'all eat cheese sandwiches. That is the most ridiculous, stupid shit. Pimento cheese. You'll yeah. never get a black person I, taking a pimento cheese sandwich to work. I saw this guy. I saw this guy at at, at the gro- at the gas station yesterday. Young black kid, um, in great shape. He's in great shape. Mm-hmm. Like he's not fat, and he just he had a but he had like a juice juice like a like a pressed juice from mm-hmm. the from Whole Foods across the street, and it looked good. And he was fucking murdering it. I said, what is that? And he goes, oh, doctor's orders. My sugar's high. And I said, yeah. And he goes, yeah. So they told me to get on beet juice. I said, really? He goes, yeah. And I, I have them put in strawberries, grape, apple, and orange. And it, it's really good. And I went. You just put the sugar back in there, bitch. Yeah. Like, that's really good. And, and he was buying Skittles, Nowelators, and Starburst. And I went. And I looked at him. And I was like. He's like, you know what I mean? You got to stay healthy. And I looked at I was like. Like. White people, I, and I'm, maybe I'm generalizing. You can't ever generalize, but it's like there are generalizations I find about black people that I go, that I go that that might be across the board. Like black people have a really easy time falling asleep. Like, <laughs> like I never, I've never. Do met, you know my husband? Does he? Ever, does he? Have, that motherfucker take his when he take his pants off, he sleep taking his pants off. Yeah, like I was on a plane next to Common, and Common fell asleep. On the tarmac, Common Common was asleep, um, waiting for the plane, in the at the gate. He was asleep in the chair. He got on the plane, sitting first class, and he fell asleep in the plane before we take off. He slept for the whole fucking flight. I sat next to him. He slept for the whole fucking flight. There was turbulence. I drank myself to death, thinking I was going to die. We landed, and he he this motherfucker had the balls to say, "Have we taken off yet?" And I went, <laughs> "Are you fu-? like if you go in the subway in New York, brothers will fall asleep on the subway." I could never fall asleep on a subway. You probably, white people are scary as fuck. I could never fall asleep. I have a hard time falling asleep. Like, I didn't sleep at all <laughs> last night. I, my wife never sleeps. <coughs> I sleep. What? I fall asleep too like that. Really? <laughs> but I'm black, so we're talking about I want, black like, people. Like, like, I want to do a website called uh, Brand New Stereotypes, uh-huh. where you put up a stereotype that you notice, and you, that isn't racist, but it's just like, hey, I started to notice that, like, Black people fall asleep very easily. Anywhere. Anywhere. And then people can rate it and go yes or no, and it becomes a new stereotype. <laughs> you know? like, But that that's one. And then um, the one I was going to say about – but like white people – like I, I, I wonder what if there's like a, a problem with eating disorders in the African-American community. Like the way it is. I wonder well, if that's just a white girl disease. No. Uh, eating disorder? Like, oh, fuck. Like bulimia. No, no you, we don't do bulimia. Let me tell you why. Because if when you're a black girl and you throw up your mama food, you're going to get your ass beat. Really? So a black mom be like, no, nah, bitch. You don't want to eat my collard greens and you throwing them up. Eat that shit back up. I, you're not wasting my money. Yeah. So we, we never. But, you know, black girls don't worry about being fat. If you notice, if white girls are fat, they got low self-esteem. The bigger the black bitch, the more confidence she get. I don't give a fuck. I'm cute. Yeah. I don't, you'll see a big bitch with heels look like she got two feet on one foot. And she'll still try to put on foot. <laughs> she still try to fucking put on heels. That's, they don't they they wear thongs. If you go in fat girl shops, nobody buy thongs but fat black bitches. They'll put on an orange, they'll put on a tangerine suit, and you're like, what the fuck? They put on stripes, they put on <laughs> uh, black women don't give a fuck because we feel like we are beautiful no matter what. But in the when the white race, white women think if you gain, if you get fat, then 
you're not attractive. No, bitch, you look good. Yeah. You look good. But they that's just how I think that's just how they're raised. The fatter you get, the uglier you get. Well, I see white girls all the time with no confidence. But if they hung out with black bitches that was fat with confidence, they'll be walking around with their backs out. Really? Now some black bitches have got too much confidence. Like you can see them on the on the beach in a two piece. They don't give a fuck. So I'm I'm amazed sometimes when I see like that's the one thing that this whole fat thing has opened my eyes up to is like is like people who really really embrace it and just go oh, black this- people embrace anything they embrace I don't they don't give a fuck we don't give a fuck but you know I, my eyes for racism is like for what racism in this country is have really opened up these last few months because I saw Roots have you ever seen Roots. I'm black. What kind of question is that? Have you seen Roots? What kind of question is that? Of course you have. <laughs> of course I have. Which root? The old Roots or the I new one? I saw roots? the new one. Okay, the new one. Yeah, that one's good too. I you s- should go watch the old one. You be crying. Really? Because this new Roots is really good, but they, they got what's so crazy. These motherfuckers fight back. But in the old Roots, they didn't really fight back. Really? Yeah, the black people fought back. It's I, someone, You know, there are common themes in white culture that have, have kind of permeated what that white people have said on news, usually conservatives, but like one of them that really stuck out to me. And in watching roots, I went, how racist was Ebonics? They're like, how dare like speak proper English. And that's like one of the things that's like been like a, a thing throughout black kids. Yeah. We, they, we're known for speaking black. I mean, for speaking Ebonics, but I mean, it's, it's like what the slave master did. They didn't give us books. We wasn't yes. allowed to read. We wasn't allowed to learn. And it was we better did. if we you couldn't shit. communicate. Yeah. You get, you got beat. You could barely fucking talk. Yeah. And that's, and when, in watching roots, I realized that, that like that, that is fucking, can I tell you what else blew my mind? I mean, I stuck with this for like three days. I could not get past it. How, how often is people, you hear on the news these days with all this shit going down, you hear and with Black Lives Matters, and I think Black Lives Matters, when you, if you were on my Facebook, the people I grew up with are like, all lives matter. And that's not, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not on that side. I, I'm, I'm fairly liberal, but I hear both sides of the fence. But one of the things that really stuck with me is everyone said we've made so much progress. No, we haven't. But we, that progress... Is nothing. Is nothing. We just started. Yes. We just started. If you look back, what, 60 years ago? Mm-hmm. 60 years ago, black people didn't have rights. They didn't have rights. 60 But you years can't ago. tell white people who's in denial. And white people continue to say, why don't y'all move on? Well, motherfucker, how can I move on when you just had my mama that couldn't, you was treating my mama and my grandmama like shit. Yeah. That, and that's, that's that white privilege that's blind. Like, I honestly, I have a police officer that live in my neighborhood. And he, like, with all the black killings, let me tell you something, Burton. This is coming from the bottom of my heart. You, white people don't know what it is to have an African-American son in this country and i tell my boys all the time when you born black in this country you already born with a stripe across your fucking head so for you to, for them to sit there and for my kids to be in this country scare me every fucking day i talk to both of my son i might not call my daughter but i go over the routine to say son if you get pulled over Yes, sir. No, sir. Speak nicely. Don't reach for shit. Now, you ain't got to never say that to your white son if you had one. No, but, 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 but I will say this. I was raised that way. If you don't ever talk back to a cop, if you get pulled but over. I see white people talking back to a cop all the time. They oh, I see it. I, see, like I definitely see it. But if, if we do it, mother, we get shot. But it's so scary now because that shit can happen to anybody of race. My thing is, is 
why are white people so scared of black people? I mean, you are officer and I know, I, I mean, I'm down the fence. You don't disrespect no officer. You don't shoot at an officer and the officer shouldn't shoot you. But why? Like with Sandra Bland, he Who's pulled Sandra Bland? the black girl who he pulled out the car in Texas and body slammed her because she said she, she switched lanes without a fucking, you know, Is that the one that died in prison, died in prison. First of all, who the fuck go to jail for switching lane? And she got the right not to put out her cigarette, but you dogged her out. She's a fucking woman and you dogged her out. Yeah. The, and, and I was telling my police, the police guy in Indianapolis, who's a big Trump fan, he was like, well, Miss Pat, why are you scared? I said, bitch, because I'm black. Do you not get it? I, I said, you might make me your chosen nigger, but your friend might not know I'm your chosen nigger. Friend. Yeah. So and he just don't get it. Well, why are you scared for Gary? Because one of your racist ass friends might feel like shooting a nigga that day and shoot my motherfucking son. Not that my kids are nigga, but that's how that's how you think as a black parent. I cannot rest until I know both of my boys is in the house. So and I tell him, I said, I told him this. I said, you're not gonna get it until you go get some black pussy and you raise a black son in this fucking fucked up country. You're not gonna know the fear that I go through as a mother every single day. And let me tell you something. My kids has never been in jail. They ain't never been in trouble. They don't do drugs, but you don't have to. All these motherfuckers see is a big boy, 16 years old. I'm threatened and blow my son brains out. I get every time I see somebody get killed, I it's, it scares the shit out of me because it's not police say if it's if it's. Let me ask you this: shoot. Have anybody ever thought about why black cops ain't shooting white guys? No. I mean, one or two, maybe, but you, it's damn near a, a black guy get killed every weekend. Look at the man who there are reached, black guys dying at an at an outrageous number, and, uh, and and we kill ourselves. So don't 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 come te- don't come sending me no message to my. Well, what about Chicago? Yeah, we do kill ourselves, but but. You don't expect a person who take a job to protect you to blow your fucking brains out because you got a gun on you, but you got a permit. Yeah, I mean, and the NRA didn't say shit. It's okay to just shoot a man who's selling fucking uh, DVDs. I mean, honestly, the man did not. He had a gun in his pocket, but he never reached. If you got a man held on the ground with both his hands down, and you can who's look at the one? video. Who's this one? This uh, is the New one. Orleans. Is Lord. this the guy that had the carry permit? And yeah, he went to get his license. The guy just no, shot him. No, that was the other one. That was the other, the other one. one? How, I mean, it gets. I mean, that's. It's almost comical you, and sad. It is that it's like I don't sad. know which black people people person you're talking about. This was New Orleans. He was selling DVDs, and he had a gun in his pocket, and I think he had a permit too. I don't know, but um. They slammed him on the ground and they got him pinned down. Two officers and the other officer just took out his gun and shot him in the chest four four times, if I'm not mistaken. But I could be wrong. But I know it was more. I can't watch those videos. Them videos scared the dog shit out of me because I have young black men at my house. And then you know what hurts me is when I see people online and say, "Well, they want number the third. They want number this and that." But I want. Me personally, Bert, I put myself in that person's situation. I want to say this. White people, think about when next time you see a person get killed, whether you think it was right for him to get killed or not. Put yourself in that family situation. And then before you before you open your mouth and then think. I mean, then think. Trayvon Martin walking and get to fighting with a stupid motherfucker and he shoot him. Yeah. I mean, police just shoot police shoot a boy in Chicago who got a knife in his hand. A knife. But backing up. But, but 
or some crazy ass white dude just pull up and shoot him fourteen times or fifteen times. Yeah. How about the how about the little black kid in the park with the with the gun? You know these motherfuckers say where well, he had it, he shouldn't have been playing with it. But come on, white people, yeah. you buy your kids gun too. Well, what about the black man who was just laying in the street with the autistic kid? And he was the police said I was gonna shoot the autistic kid. Had you shot that autistic kid, these fucking parents who got autistic kid would have fucked you up. But you decide to shoot a black man with his hands in the air. That tells you we got a racist problem. The clans don't have hoods no more. They got fucking badges. The but clans not all have cops, not, not all, all cops. cops. Let me tell you something, Bert. I, I'm from the inner city of Atlanta. And yeah. it was an officer named Officer Smart who fed me like this officer going around on internet in Oklahoma City. I had an officer in my life like that. I don't think all officers are bad. Because yeah. they're not. And they're, you know, they lose their life like everybody else lose their life too. But it is some good cops out there. Officer Smart fed me. He when he when he clocked in every day, it was me, my sister, and my brother. And he brought us food every day at the beginning of his shift, and he checked on us at the end of his shift. And he was a fucking white man. Yeah. So you can never put in my mind that all officers are crooked. But but but. This, but. There's but you I mean and this is I'm just playing devil's advocate mm-hmm. because we had an incident we had an incident a, a attempted break in the other night and I was there and I witnessed it and I stopped it and my daughter's at your house yeah at my house I'll tell you about it after this but um but like but you you did say the, the clan doesn't wear hoods anymore they're cops so some what, of them I think some so, of them are not percentage? all of them okay okay let's let's do this. For the amount of cops, for, for the cops specifically that are killing black people, what percentage do you think are just racist, and what percentage do you think are just young and scared and made a, made a mistake? I, I probably would say probably forty percent of them just scared, and I say a probably a good thirty percent of them is uh is Klansmen, honestly. Yeah. Or if you ain't practicing, you just racist. So a Klansman and racism all go together. Now, is, it, is, it, is there a chance that like, and this is once again devil's advocate, but I wonder, you know, it's like uh, I stopped hitting on my wife. I stopped hitting on Leanne. You used to beat Leanne? No, 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 hitting on, no, uh, oh, hitting like flirting, flirting. flirting. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. I used to beat Leanne. I, by the way, sometimes I've said things on this podcast. Like one time I guess I said I cheated on Leanne. Uh, on on a podcast with Danish and O'Neill, I never cheated on my wife, and I definitely wouldn't reveal it on a podcast. Like, but okay. I wasn't listening. Um, but I stopped flirting with her because I just she just started shooting me down so much. So it was almost like a Pavlovian behavior. Like I just was like, why would I flirt? I'm just going to cut to the chase. How much of it do you think are these cops working on the inner city, and if they just see it's like they almost become conditioned to treat people roughly Black people because Black people, yeah. You, did you see the interview with a cop? Locked the teacher up in Texas. I think mm. she was in Virginia, Texas. No, he pulled her over. She stepped out the car, and uh, he was like, "You, you speeding or something?" And so he said, "Get back in the car." She got back in the car. He said, "Where's your license?" <clears throat> and he yanked her out the car. Little small black lady ended up being a second grade teacher and slammed her. And she was like, "I'm trying to get on the ground. I'm trying." And so this white dude walked over and said, "I seen everything, but he didn't know what was going on." The, he would have never done that shit to a white woman. He would have no. never snatched a white woman out that fucking car, threw her on that hot concrete, and he lied. You can look at the video and look what he told his sergeant. He fucking lied. I say them types of motherfuckers are scared of black people or they racist. You yeah. ask me, uh, two and two go together. They're racist motherfucker. And on the ride to the jail, he said, well, black people are threatening. Why are we fucking threatening? Because we strong, because we strong and we, we probably talk 
talk loud and you all passionate and you eat your cheese sandwich. That's why you scared of us because we'll speak our mind and you'll run off. You only tough when you got a fucking gun on you. That is the truth, though. There is such a cultural difference in black people and white people and how we behave. Red Grant and I were fr- our friends. Mm-hmm. Red was in Montreal. And I remember me and him went to a Jack in the Box one time at Compton. And he saw the look on my face and it was just people talking. It was like, he's like, Bert, are you okay? And I was like, <coughs> I think they're going to fight. And he's no. like, no, she's just ordering. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, she's just ordering. Lunell, I thought Lunell used to hate me because the way Lunell talked to me was just so fucking aggressive. But that, and I tell people, I just had that same conversation in Montreal. A lot of the white <laughs> comics who was on the roast battle, they was like, why are you so mean? And I'm like, dude, this is just my personality. It's passion. It's, 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 I want, you know, I, white people don't, White people are passionate about whatever they're passionate about. Building ra- train tracks and or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck. White golf, you know. Yeah. Paddle boarding, surfing, like, extreme thrill sports, Facebook. Like, you know, whatever white people are passionate about. Black people are passionate just in life. Yes. Like, like at a Starbucks, you will see passion come out of a black person. White people are not passionate at Starbucks. No. Which is odd because that's like our favorite place to go. Yes. <laughs> but it's such a... There is such a big cultural divide in like the way we interact with people. Each other. Yeah. You know what it is, Bert? Black people have to know everything about white people. Y'all don't have to know a goddamn thing about black people. Oh, that's a fucking brilliant statement. Let me tell you, y'all don't have to y'all don't have to come. We have to come into y'all work because nine times out of ten, you guys give us the job. You guys are over everything. You guys are I mean, you, y'all run every damn thing. Let's I be don't honest. Know, I don't it's have white to privilege. Know anything about black people. You don't totally right. you don't ever have to have a black friend and you can still be in this fucking world. We have to deal with you motherfuckers when we clock in, when we when we fucking go go and buy you something. To interact with white people. We have to interact I could, with white people. I could theoretically do a social experiment and not speak to a black person for a month, and I think nothing would change in my life. Nothing would change in your life. But I, I have to talk to white people every day. They're my agent. They're my lawyer. They're my lawyer. They're my fucking. I deal with them every bank day. Manager. Then bank manager. My bank manager is white. My kids' teachers are white. I mean, you. Uh, Y'all don't have to know. Y'all can go home and and block black people out. We can't. We deal with y'all every fucking day. That y'all don't scare us. But I don't know why white people are so scared. I hear my time. Why are you yelling? I'm not fucking yelling. This is how I talk. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say, "Oh my God, why are you talking?" No, bitch, that's not me. I, I'm real. This is how I talk each and every fucking day. Yeah, and that's what's wrong because because. We we don't know how to come together and get to know each other. What 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 what? Y'all black white people don't come over. You never take your kids, you know, to a black school or black event. You know, just to show them, hey, culture shit. When I go to Walmart, white babies. I used I had a bit about this. They stare at me, and I wrote a bit say white babies are racist, and they just <laughs> fucking stare. What are you looking at, white baby? Stop yeah. fucking staring at me. That's because y'all don't take your kids around other kids. Your kids just see people like them. So when they get out in the world and they see people of color that don't look like them, they was like, what the fuck is these aliens? Oh, my, my daughters, the first time they ever saw black people, like meaning like, like was I was doing, this must have been seven years ago. I was doing Birth the Conqueror. It just started airing. And I went to Magic Johnson's Fridays mm-hmm. on the way back from the airport. My wife picked me up with the girls. We stopped by. We we're going to have lunch. Have a cocktail, head back home, take naps. I walk in, it's Sunday. I was coming off the road, 
and all the brothers were watching football in the bar right to the left of where you check in. One guy sees me and recognizes me, and his wor- his exact words were, but very passionate, oh, shit, it's that bird to conquer, motherfucker, and just came over, gave me a hug. My daughters are just shit. They're babies. I mean, baby, you know, whatever they were, George must have been, you know, five or four, maybe older, and they're just staring at this one. And when, when he took a picture, once he took a picture, all the other black guys wanted to get a picture. They didn't know who I was, but they knew I was famous. They wanted to get a picture, and they were just talking about the show. He was explaining it to them. It was a really great moment. We sit back down. We sit down. The manager, who's black, comes back. He says, it's an honor to have you here. I love your show. I watch your show, too. Uh, I'm going to give you guys you know, $20 or apps for free or whatever. My wife's like, I didn't. who knew that your demographic was black people? And I was like, I have no fucking idea. All my daughters thought, were that when they saw black people, black people loved their dad. They didn't know that they didn't didn't because I'd never been recognized from TV. So we went through the mall over it uh, down in Beverly uh, on Beverly and Third, and my daughters saw black people. We're like, "Daddy, daddy, look, look, look!" And <laughs> every time they saw a black guy, they'd point to him, and I was like, "Girl, stop it!" And they're like, "No, no, no, no! <laughs> He's gonna love you. He's gonna love you." But it's so true, is you don't, you don't. Um, but it's so crazy, you don't. You got to let them interact with you. Just, got, you don't let you, them interact. You don't. Like, you know, even even like when you take kids out Bert, I've said this a thousand times. When you take kids out of the hood who never dealt with white people, they, they mean, they the same too. They're a little scared because you hear all of this bad shit in the hood uh, in a black home about white people. I grew up thinking that you guys was better than me. I've said this on every podcast. My mama told me white people are better than you. Never look them in the eye. They're the fucking devil. Really? That's what I was taught as a kid. So when I grew up, and I, I mean, when I, when I got grown and became a comedian, I never had to deal with white people un- unless I was in court or I hired a lawyer. But when I became a comedian, they started to like me. And I was like, get the fuck away from me. And I went home and told my husband, I was like, why the fuck is these white women liking me? I was like, he was like, what's wrong with you? I said, they scare me. And he was like, um... He was like, why? And I told him the story. He's like, Pat, we all the same. And that's when I realized that we don't interact with each other. Mm-mm. If you, if you, we- and we're not allowed to be honest. Like, that's the biggest problem I think white people have. I'm speaking for myself only right now, but I think the way, the way that social media has taken over yes. the landscape and the way that politics are right now with Trump, you know, the reason Trump's doing so well, the reason anyone's for that guy at all is because. There is a big majority of white people in this country. They're scared that their white privilege is going to go away. And that their white voice people, is, yeah. we don't want your white privilege. Oh, we, you know what I said, Bert? I what? said, you know, they was like, oh, this is our country. Let's get one thing straight. White people, they, he did not discover this country. Y'all, they, y'all, your ancestors stole this fucking country. Same, same, they, though. Yeah, huh? <laughs> same, same. And we still feel like we discovered it. Yeah, we ain't <laughs> discovered a motherfucking thing. You came over here, <laughs> gave these folks a chicken wing and some weed, and you stole this fucking country. My thing is, and then you brought black people here to do shit that you didn't want to do. By the way, slavery was what, 300 years? Yes. 300 fucking years black people were in this country. Three. That That's what blew me away from roots. I looked at it. I want to say it was uh, slavery was uh, 200 years, maybe, and then black people didn't have rights for another 100 years. 100 years, you could kill a black person, and you could totally be like, well, he looked at my wife. No, you you hung him on a tree like fucking apples. Like like Emmett Till, this is not my bit, and and I really, really, really wish it was. And by the way, this is not his bit entirely either. I just heard him say it, and I and I could not stop thinking about it. Sherrod Small said, when that cat calling video was out, he's like, "Fuck that!" 
It was only 50 years ago that we couldn't even fucking look at a white woman. This is our civil rights. Now we get to whistle at them. Yes. And he's like, Emmett Till, I don't know if he said this or I researched it. Emmett Till talked to a white woman, which and is was the, killed. He was the was first catcaller. He just talked to her. He said, you're beautiful or whatever. I don't know what he said. He might have just said, you guys have gum. Who knows? The story's always going to be changed to whatever white people want it to be. And he was killed. He was, he was killed. Hey, excuse me. That was a kid. I think he was, he was 14. He was from a child. Chicago. A child from Chicago. And that's what I'm saying. Why, you know, black, I, like I said, this country was stolen. You brought black people here to do shit you didn't want to do. My whole thing is why can't we just live in this stolen country together? Why has got to be about race? There's going to be, there's got to be some, something catalyst, catalytic's got to happen. Because white people, like me and you can talk like this. I believe if they got rid of guns, white people would be fucking more, more nice. No. Yes, they would. You, because you, they're scary because they tote guns and they're bad with guns. If no, you got rid of guns, you would have to interact. You, you would have to you, be nice. Let me tell you why. why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the white opinion. Okay, okay give me the you, white opinion. The white opinion is, okay, we'll turn our guns in, but the black people are never going to turn their guns in. And so then the black people will be armed and we won't have any guns. That, that's not true. Take them for it's everybody. I, we true. was in Canada. Then you feel safe in Canada. There's when no I black people to- in Canada. There's no one in Canada. Who the fuck? I saw a lot of black people. What no, the hell are, are you talking those are about? African black people like the. I don't give a fuck. Hello. You. We we the mixed black people. We, you know we mix with. If you do some okay. ancestor work, Hold you're on. probably my first cousin, Bert. No, listen, listen. The okay, the black people that have guns in this country are not like the white people. Like Mike Calta, my buddy in Tampa, is the stereotype for what everyone hates with gun owners. He's got like four AR-5-15s or whatever. He's got handguns out the ass. He's got more guns than anyone. But they're all registered. He does, like, you know, he's uh, licensed. Uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the projects, in the hood. Don't say the projects. Ain't no more projects. It's called a hood. In the hood. Inner city. Like, if they said, all right, here's the deal. Everyone needs to turn in their guns. We're getting rid of guns. How many black people that have guns in the, in the hood? How many white people going to turn them in? I don't think, you think it's going to be the same number that'll turn them in. Yeah, I don't think neither side would turn them in. I okay. mean, my personally thing, I, you know, I always tell people, it's not about taking your guns. Yeah. I mean, I would love for this country not to have guns, and we just whoop each other ass. Yeah, that'll be so much better. But you know, my they're whole fun. thing, they're fun. They're like I, don't, I never, well, I only shot my kid's father, so I don't really know a lot about guns. That was a twenty-two. My thing is, you know, like, but do you agree, Bert? Do we need gun control? Oh, These kids 100%. walk in this school and they shoot people, and they that boy who shot them first grader broke my heart. The kid and, in in Sandy Hook. Yes, and now one of those kids was black. I didn't give a fuck, but I can't imagine getting a phone call and tell me that oh. my baby been split in bad in half by a motherfucking automatic weapon. Oh, I don't. I don't think we need this. Whatever they yeah, have. Yeah. Right why now. do we need a gun? Why do you need a gun that'll shoot a hundred? Right times? now, every gun owner is going. It was a semi-automatic weapon because they're. they're yeah. I guess they. They have an excuse. Yeah. Uh, wh- why do we need a gun that'll shoot a hundred times? I, you or know fifty what? times. I do or not 20s. know. What's wrong with shooting eight times? If you didn't hit that motherfucker, then you need to be killed. If I feel like. You know, okay, once again, devil's advocate. I, and I, by the way, I, I, ha- having a plant, like touching a gun is kind of sexy. Like when you grab a gun. So it's touching a titty, but a titty don't kill you. Okay. So we trade in guns for titties? <laughs> not my titties. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not saying get rid of gun. I'm saying we need a little bit more gun control. I agree we with need, gun control. We need, I mean, we got to keep them out of crazy people's hands. I fucking, I, let me tell you something. I don't own a gun. I don't care to own a gun. I could own a gun if I wanted to. I, I have the money. I have the time. I could go in, get the license. 
I could do it all that if I want, but I just don't really give a fuck. I really don't. But I do have a taser. Spray. I got a bat. Yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a, I got a baton. I got a slapjack. I got, yeah. I got a gun, Pots thing that pans. looks like I got hot pepper spray. Yeah, I got everything that for self protection. And when that lady, some lady tried to break into our house, a lady. Yeah, it was a lady, Mexican lady. I don't know why I had to say she was Mexican, but she was. She was. What make you think she was trying to break in? So I'm sitting out. We get done dinner at my daughter at my sister's house like eight thirty at night. We come home. I'm a little buzzed, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna have a cigar. And Leanne's like, there's no room in the back. There's salt torn up. So I go, all right. So I sit in that little corner seat. I don't know if you saw that little blue seat. I sit over there by the bushes. I light a cigar. I'm smoking a cigar. Uh, chick rolls up in between our car and the dumpster and starts looking around. And then crawls by, her, not crawls, but walks by her, creeps by our dumpster, starts looking around, starts going to our back fence to look over our fence. And I go, can I help you? And she goes, uh, uh, and like panics. Now Priscilla, our dog, goes after her, but she's behind a gate and kind of scares the chick a lot. And she's like, she's like, I'm here for the neighborhood committee to bring uh, some bullshit excuse. And I said, no, 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 no. I saw what you were doing. You, and she goes, no, I was just looking for your front door. And I said, no, you were fucking, you were trying to, you're, you're scoping out my house. I get it. And I said, you need to fucking leave. And she's like, she's like, no, I'm here for that. And got, and got angry with me. And I went, fuck you. I go, I wasn't born yesterday. I saw what you were doing. You need to fucking leave. And then she goes to like reach out to Pris and Pris lunges at her hand. And she goes, she goes, I said, and as a matter of fact, you know what? Go home. It's 830 at night. It's completely dark out. Now is not the time to go door to door and ask for money. I go, that, that's home invasion hours in my opinion is when you knock on someone's door at 830 at night, you're checking to see if anyone's home. You're going hey. to, yeah, that's what you're doing. So I call the cops. I go out. I stand in the street and I watch her start going from door to door. And she just goes, you don't need to watch me. And I was like, sure. And then my neighbor comes out and he goes, she's knocking on your door. I go, yeah. And he goes, yeah, she knocked on my door, but she tapped really lightly to see if anyone was home. And it was like, he was weird. And he goes, and I saw her looking over my fence. So Leanne comes out. We got an app for our neighborhood. Leanne comes out. She goes, uh, in this app, it's like a Facebook wall page type thing. She goes, uh, people have been reporting bikes stolen and a Mexican chick knocking on their door. What? Yeah. And so cops show up. And very, by the way, I have to say this, but very timely. They show up very quickly. Of course. It's like, a white neighborhood. Like eight minutes. Uh, <laughs> eight by the way, minutes. can I tell you this? What? A helicopter flew over our house. A cop helicopter spotlight takes off. Cops pull up eight minutes later. How you doing, sir? By the way, I'm drunk. Not that that matters at this point, but I'm, I am buzzed. Is everything okay, sir? I said, no. Then I tell him exactly what happened. My daughters are now standing at that fence. Both in, in like their shirts, getting ready to go to bed, holding their little stuffed animals. And they're looking over there. All right, we're going to go look for her. Drive up and down our street, take a lap, come back, and they're like, "Listen, she probably hopped onto the ma- a major street close by, and took off." But what you're describing is what is going on right now in this neighborhood. They'll knock on your door. Sometimes what they'll try to do is distract you as someone hops over your back fence and steals your shit, or they'll go in and they're looking to see if you got anything. They said she said we saw she probably saw the dumpster and thought there would be tools laying out, and if there were tools, she'd just try to get on the fence, grab them, and walk, run off real discreetly. And he said, you know, but you talking to her probably, to, and the fact that you have a 130-pound dog, is I don't think she's coming back. And I was like, cool. And he's like, you know, but there's been some robberies. So I go, hey, listen, man, my girls are a little spooked. There's never had anything like this happen. Is it okay if they come down and you guys just let them know that, you know, just say you'll be doing laps around the neighborhood? And they were like, sure. So the girls come down, George and Isla, 
first thing Isla says is, do you get paid a lot of money? <laughs> like, fucking Isla, what the fuck? And the guy goes, oh, we make a very decent living, enough to support our families. And she's like, she's like, did you guys catch her? And they're like, no. And they talk to the girl. Like, listen, girls, we're going to be doing laps around this neighborhood. No one's breaking into your house. I live like three blocks over that way. I'll be watching this whole neighborhood. You're going to be totally fine. I'll be doing, I'll tell you what, I'll do a lap every hour and drive by. And the girls are like, thank you. And then I go, hey, gentlemen, thank you very much. Start walking into the house. And Georgia looks at me. She goes, Dad, we are wearing marijuana shirts. <laughs> they were wearing shirts from, one was wearing shirts from a dispensary. And one was wearing a shirt from a company called The Dope State. <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, and it's a marijuana leaf. And it says, instead of the North Face, it says The Dope State. Uh-huh. And it's a badass fucking shirt, by the way. Go to them. They're doing Ali Sadiq's shirt. Mexicans got on boots. And... I could not stop fucking laughing. And I was like, wait, how do you know what marijuana is? She goes, mom told me about it the other day because she came up with friends. You got the realest wife ever. It was so fucking funny. Uh, but, but, uh, but in those moments, in those moments where let's just, let's just call it this. When the streets meet your front door. Yes. When, when, when someone tries to assault you or take your property, yes. Donald Trump's rhetoric plugs in so perfectly. It literally, he's, he's, he's working, to, he's pitching to people who are scared. People yeah. are genuinely fucking scared. People are genuinely scared. Saying, well, for what? What are they scared for? Are they scared because they had to take off their hood and say that they support Donald no, I Trump? Think, I think are they, white what are people they who are scared. I mean, why? Because, I, let me ask you something. What? Why am I not scared? I live in a fucking nice house, too. I got nice stuff. Why am I not scared? Same reason Leanne's not scared. Because you got yourself to there. Leanne got herself to here. Leanne was like, oh, honey, I guarantee you there have been people in our backyard. I guarantee you. Don't ever think people haven't tried to break into our house before. Yeah, she's like that's it. And but me, I did not get myself to here. I had a parallel move on this white privilege train to get here. Thank you for saying and, you had a white privilege train. Oh, people, white people wouldn't. Y'all privileges are so wonderful. You ever seen a white man walk in front of your car and never look at you? Like oh, you yeah. better not hit me because I got asses in the refrigerator. Uh, that's a white chick move too. Is, <laughs> is second the walk sign they just start walking. You go whoa, what the fuck? You not yeah. worried about getting hit by a car? But but. I, I my life has been very easy. Yes. I don't ever I don't ever interact with a, with like I go into talk to a studio or a network and I look at the guys there as the like guys. as like guys I, I would play golf with mm-hmm. or like guys that would have been in my fraternity. But I go to studios and there's people. I mean, now that I live in a mostly white neighborhood, I mean they would be the people that would be in the Walmart. I used to be very intimidated by white people because you know. You 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 know that they get the they got better education they got they got a better chance at white people get better education yeah, yeah white people get better education because like I look at this that y'all like, care about the communities too but we care about our community too but they just dump bullshit in our community they well, take from our community but white people communities they don't take from I think I think. I don't. I don't know what you think about this, but I think the busing program was probably one of the better programs. White people around. hated that program. Well, yeah, because yeah, because they kids, they kids had to go to school with people who was less fortunate than them. Same thing with healthcare. People don't want people to have health care because, be honest, some people don't want to sit in the emergency room with somebody with lower standards than them. No, it's you know what it is. It's that it, that might be it. But like I remember when I went to an I went to a, a mostly black basketball camp. And like I remember a black kid just looking at me, and I was I was remember him staring at me and going like, like sizing me up. He was a little bit my age. He was like, "I like your hat. Can I wear it?" And I was like, 
sure. And then I, I just gave it to him, and then I never saw the hat again. And I was like, did he steal it? No, he didn't steal it because I gave it to him. But he just looked at me and he was like, this motherfucker doesn't know anything. A pussy. Yeah, he's a pussy. And he yes. just and that is why white people objected to the black busing is because they were afraid that like that these kids who had to fight for everything. Like you ever see those videos of the kids? Like the, the there was one black kid in, from Puff Daddy put it on his in, on his uh, Snapchat the other day. Uh, this kid he's from Jamaica and he goes, "Me work for everything." The kid's maybe five years old. Me work for everything oh, uh, I everybody got. Everybody pa- they passing him around a lot. You yeah, seen I work for everything I got. You give me a chance, I work the hardest I can. You're like, you cut to a white kid and it's like sparkling. Like what's what? What is that? Remember that sparkling wiggles? Yes. It's like it's just goofiness it's nothing like because me work for everything i got yeah, because you know like they white people like giving their kids everything my son is 14 years old and let me just say this my son do not have to work me and my husband we're doing really well yeah. but i told my kids you live in this big ass house you got you got fucking nice foam you got nice shit you don't want to need for anything i said at least you can do is learn how to take care of yourself in this world go get a fucking job my oh. son been working at chick-fil-a since he was 14 he's 16 now yeah, and he got. I make him save his money. If he like, he went, he bought his own video game. I, I I tell him I said I don't want you spending all of your money. I will go half with you because I am still responsible for you. Yeah. But look at the work ethic that I'm trying to instill in my kid. Those kids in my neighborhood, they work at Chick Fil A. They was like, I don't need this shit. I quit. So they can't even keep enough kids because the community is mostly white. But I think I think when you when you when you instilling your kids that you're not gonna hand them everything. I think they become better people. Make them get a job so they can be around other people. It's amazing. It really glares when you watch like Georgia plays uh, softball against like these all Mexican teams. Mm-hmm. But they're not, it's not just that they're all Mexican. You can tell that they're they're from a different area. They're like more further out in Van Nuys. And man, the coaches push those do- girls so much harder than our coaches push. Our coaches are like, you know what? You struck out. It's okay. No, they do that shit in my community, and that's why our football teams suck. I'm used. I come. My kids, my older kids, come from a school where shit. They came out to rap music, and football was everything. I mean, it it was a middle class black neighborhood. One about trying to make it out the hood, but they took it serious. If you holler at your kids on my son's football team, you the police officer will come up and say, "Let me speak to you." And I'm like, "You're making them pussy," because when they get in the real world and somebody holler and scream at them, and they can't just just a stump away and say, oh my God, you make me sick, mother. No. Yeah. They, they're pussies. They're a bunch of kids in my community are straight. They talk back to their parents. Oh. I wish a motherfucker would talk back to me. I had to get on my son. I said, we need to get one thing straight, boy. You are not white. You would get fucked up. Yeah. And even his friends was come over my house, which is all white little kids, and take their shirt off and throw their feet on my sofa. And I'm like, nigga, no, nah, put your mo- put your motherfucking shirt on, and you're looking like a snowman. <laughs> I just had an incident where my son was caught was caught smoking weed, and when I tell you these parents was in denial, I went through my son's phone. I went through my son's phone to um to uh find out he was smoking weed make a long story short he had a he had a video of a little naked white girl on there and i told him i said that's your first thing that's your first problem having a fucking white pussy underage on your phone but she was in the same grade he was but they, she gave it to one Let boy that and they passed i know and that they passed it around fucking so i called shit. all the goddamn parents bert and i said y'all need to come to my goddamn house because our son is getting our kids are getting high they're sm- i caught my son smoking weed i and they're drinking alcohol 
parents come over there, they deny, oh, not my child. Not. I said, yes. And look, the little video, I put it up on my Chromecast, and I asked the parents, I said, who white baby pussy this is? Because y'all need to tell her fucking mama she's sending out video digging in her pussy wrong. And I, in her pussy let wrong. me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> they damn near turned pink. They, but oh they, they felt like I was, I was on, I was inappropriate for the way I showed them the video. No. Fuck that shit. I'm gonna keep it real. Who baby white baby pussy this year? I beat the dog shit out of my son. But I bet you now one of them white kids got high. I mean, got got a whooping. And I also told my son, this is how drugs start. Burke, I live in a white community. You know what our biggest problem is? What? Heroin. It's fucking heroin. And I get notes all the time about heroin at the school, kids overdosing, kids dying. But this is the shit they don't talk about with the white community. I don't go to the heroin meeting because my kids are fat. We don't have a heroin problem. We got cheeseburger problems. Yeah. But we got heroin. And yeah. I told him, I said, what's next, son? It's going to be weed. It's going to be alcohol. The next thing you know, your friend's going to tell you to shoot dope. Nigga, no. Nah, I beat the shit out of his ass. And I made him I made him sleep in the bed with me and my husband for two weeks. That's fucking great. And he, he I'd have told him, you ain't got no friends. Motherfucker, you go to work, you go to school, you play football. I'll fuck you up. I said, I will fuck your friends up. Yeah. And I told the parents, I said, keep your motherfucking children away from my son. And I'm not saying my son gave it to you, your son. And I'm not saying your son gave it. Well, we just going to, we're going to break this shit up today. Yeah. And I broke that shit up. And, he, and they wouldn't even speak to my son to my, your mom is a snitch. I said, I don't give a fuck. Next time I'm going to take a belt to their motherfucking ass. Smoke another joint around my house. I'm going to fuck all you white babies up. It's, it's, in, when you're black, you have to, you're almost held to a different standard you are you are you are fucking held to a different standard what if he would have got what if they was out riding they got pulled over by the police they would have shot him first like they was ringing a doorbell in my neighborhood running out and and people on we have a facebook page so people on my face on the facebook were going out right ringing the bell and people's like i ain't having that shit you know these gun told crazy people i said let me tell you something motherfucker you cannot do that anymore what did you guys call it growing up uh, when you ring a doorbell and run away, I don't know. We never did that shit. We used to do it. We, I'm black. We had no doorbells. You knocked on the motherfucker door. Yeah. <laughs> but he, when he ran, when he did that shit, I said, "Son, you the fattest one in this group. You the you the darkest one, and you gonna be the first motherfucker to get shot." Hell yeah. I, and I shot that shit down because they will hang up at the little park. Let me tell you something. If I'm being dead serious, if a group of kids come up to my door and knock, and I see them running, I'm calling the cops because I'm fucking scared. If it's nine at nine at night. And they come up and they sneak up to my door and knock and run away. I'm like, home invasion. I don't give yes. a fuck what color they are. Yeah. Home invasion. Exactly. I, exactly. And if I had a gun, I'd definitely have it out. I'd, and, I'd have it out. And, and that's how people shoot kids. That's how, and yeah. I told my son, I said, son, you, I said, you don't understand what's going on in this world. You don't have it like your white friends do. And he doesn't like, have it. He, let, me t- and let me tell you, as, and I, I'm not saying that I would be like this, but I know there are men that would be like this. If... You were brought to school, and you were like, "Listen, uh, Trayvon, uh, Mar- Trayvon Martin, Martin. Trayvon, Trayvon Martin, Martin, or I'm just using a black name. Okay, Trayvon fine. Martin uh, was arrested today at our school for marijuana, and he had pictures of your daughter naked on his phone. That's very, very, very different as a parent. To listen, Russell Matthews, you know his parents." You guys play at the country club together. Mm-hmm. He was arrested for marijuana. Mm-hmm. He had naked pictures of your daughter. You're like, okay. It seems it just sounds different to a white father. Of course it does. It sounds different to a white father. I'm not saying it does to me, but I'm saying I know fathers who would see that 
very different. And there's yeah, that, you know what they would have said? Trayvon Martin was a thug. Yep. That's the boy on the swim team. Look well, how you, they take up for the boy on the swim he goes team. Into the, he, he goes they into the, raped the girl. Yep. And these son of a bitches out here, if he was black, they'd be like, hang that nigga, hang oh, that nigga. But he's a yeah. rich white kid. And he got he just got out of jail earlier. He getting out of jail early. That's what we that's all black people say. Treat us fairly. When you when you date rate a date rape them, you got an old ass Bill Cosby going to jail for date rape. Yeah. I mean, why aren't this fucking kid? Look at the kid for the affluential or whatever that fucking word. I never heard that word. Oh. Or killed them four people and you gave him another fucking In Texas, chance. He got he yeah, got he, he got diagnosed he by a psychiatrist as having He don't know affluenza. what to be the poor. He don't know what it is to be poor. But you ended four lives on your fucking stupidity. If you was a black child, you'd have got fifty years and been home. That's the bullshit that gets me. But that's the shit that make our society say, oh, white kids, you can keep fucking up. We're going to keep giving you chances. Well, the, you know, when, you, uh, when I, I did jury duty, and I, all I saw, and my, and my dad's a very, uh, when I say very liberal, my dad is like beyond liberal. He's very fair, but he's very honest. Like when Anthony Cumia. Um, the radio host. Yeah, got beat up that got beat up by that black chick. And then went on a tirade. My dad's like, and then he, he's, I guess he's coming up and on, on his feet and he's like, we've got to be honest with ourselves. Black people have a problem with violence in America. That's not true. And my dad goes, that's not true. He goes, no, it's not, it has nothing to do with your skin color. He goes, poor people have a problem with violence. Yes, he goes, it's a socio- socioeconomic problem. He goes, across the board, if you earn lower than $15,000 a year mm-hmm. or, you know, and you're living in one of these cities where everything's expensive as shit, frustration is your natural go-to. Yes. And, and it's so much harder to live in that life and not be violent. And my, that's my dad is that person. So when you say, like, I went to did do jury duty and I just, I was like, I don't know, I was trying to write jokes. You're looking at everything, and you pick up on something, and I just noticed a plethora, that's a very white word, but a plethora of young black men walking in and out of that courtroom. All day. I mean, just one after another, after another, after another, and I'm doing what I think anyone else would do is going, I wonder what he did. Yeah. And that, as opposed to saying, I wonder what he's accused of, I wonder what, I'm, I'm saying, I wonder what he did. Like, I'm just, I'm, I've already, I've already counted him guilty. And I said, I call my dad. I go. The other thing I noticed is that there aren't a lot of people, black people serving jury duty. It's all Asians and whites. That's it. Because we don't go. Uh, we uh, they say most of us is convicted felon. And he and then my dad's like, well, that's the problem with the vote. When people when Puff Daddy came out and said black vote people need die. to go out and vote, vote or die. And he goes, that's the problem. Is they're not registered voters. So if they're not registered voters, they're not going to be able to do jury duty. And he said, he goes, they don't want to be. They don't want to be jury duty. They don't want to yeah. sit there for that fucking seventy five dollars. And so and so he said, my dad said, you know, I'm glad you said that, but take a second and think how confusing that must be. To, to a young black kid to have all these white people saying words you don't know like adjudication and 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 deferred sentence and all these things that sound promising but basically they're just trying to get you through the system mm-hmm. they're just basically saying I don't want to I don't want to take a long time and fight this case I can get you a whatever dot 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 my dad is a lawyer so he's like and he's like that's the problem with our justice system is that they set them this, up these kids don't have a chance they don't have a chance when you're black and he's like and sometimes sometimes Bert it's for shit that you would have gotten Nothing. arrested for, and but but because you're white, white, a white cop would just go, "Listen, I'm gonna let Don't you off. I'm gonna let you off. Don't do it again." Because that kid, that cop sees his son. 
yes. in you. Mm-hmm. And and so it's the same thing when Barack Obama goes, if I had a son, that could have been Trayvon Martin. Yes. Well, the cops let a white kid go because they're like, listen, you just fucked up. We all smoked weed. Get the fuck out of here. Black kid doesn't. Like, well, this is just no, the tip I'm of the iceberg. I'm going to choke you out. I'm going to beat the shit out. I'll tell you an incident. Um, um, my son went to court one time, and he was speeding when he first started driving. And so his license gets suspended. I mean, he, no, he, he no, he had tickets to play, pay. He didn't pay him on time, so we had to go to court. So we go to court, Bert, in my white neighborhood, and it was full of black people in Mexican, few white people here and there. And I started to look around, and I was like, "Wow!" And I, I hit my son as each black kid, a Mexican kid, and a few white kids go. It was mostly black. Each one of them, the judge said, "Why don't you have a job?" And uh, um, why don't you have a job? And each one of them said, I'm a convicted felon. I cannot find a job. And me being a black parent sitting there, knowing what I've been through in life, that shit cracked my heart open. Yeah. My son is not a convicted felon. And I told, I, I just looked and I finally looked over at my son. I said, do you see the bullshit that I fight every day to keep, to keep you from going through? I said, every one of them motherfuckers went up there and they was a convicted felon. And if, if 10 of them went up there, seven of them had no job. No job, Bert. And most of them were stealing at our local mall. So I told my son, I said, this is the bullshit. I don't ever want you to, I don't ever want you to have to go through. They called my son's name because he had two traffic tickets. The judge was so frustrated at this time. He was an old white judge. He said, so you a convicted felon too? And I said, hell no, your honor. Not my son. And he got a job. I said, and I pay his tickets, but he get paid on Friday. And he said, you know what, ma'am? He, I will give him two weeks to pay his ticket. But I t- that opened my mind so much because I was once that person who went up in front of a white man and who was a convicted felon who looked down on me and don't know where the fuck I came from on, in life and, and gave me a year in jail. Yeah. You know, and, but I work my ass out to keep my kids from going through that. I tell my kids all the time, I say, you can fix your critic a thousand times, but you fuck up your background, they're going to put dirt in your face and probably drop your criminal background history in the grave with your ass. Oh, it's, it's not, it's, it's, I think of all the shit I did. Mm-hmm. And I go, if I had gotten caught, that would have fucked my life up forever. No, I, when, when you're white, you're right. No, I I look at like Joey Diaz can't get into Canada because he served time in a federal prison for okay. kidnapping or whatever, and so they won't. I mean, you can do stuff to get. But it Joey to Diaz is not white. Joey Diaz is not white. Yes, he's <laughs> the I one. Mean, thing- you got a, you got a kid on a Stanford swim team who just you know who I'm not, and I'm not saying white people all white, white people, people get a no, break because no. all white people don't get a break. But the majority, when you got money and you white, wealthy white people get a yeah. break. Let me tell you how crazy this country is. Malil Obama just was on 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 a video this week twerking, um, not really twerking nasty. These people said the most craziest shit about her. But you take the Bush kids who was on drugs, who did alcohol, and they was angel. They're working like, at Good Morning America now, I think. Yeah, one of them work at Good Morning America. And yeah. all this girl was doing, she graduated, she going to Harvard, she just went to a concert and she was twerking. And they're saying, bitch look like a monkey, baboon. I was like, people, what is wrong with y'all? Oh, I, That's how unfair. I'll, a white woman said Malia Obama. They, they complain about Michelle Obama arms, but say that Donald Trump's wife is sexy, butt naked, butt ass naked. Donald First Trump's of all, this is how racist sexy. this country is. You she's hate, very sexy. Yeah, she she's is. Very but, sexy. But if, if, so, is, so is Michelle Obama. Yeah. If she got naked like that, you <laughs> motherfuckers, white people go goddamn crazy. Oh, uh, if, yeah. If, if, Donald Trump, if, if Obama said half the shit Donald Trump said, oh. they would shoot. 
that they would have shot him so quick. The joke I'm working, the joke I told up in Montreal was, I'm voting for Trump just because I want to see an assassination. They're going to kill him. There's no way he's not. You know, his family had to have said to him, "They're going to kill you. They're going to shoot you once you get part." There's no way you're going to make it out alive. Like who, Trump? Trump. There's no way Trump. I mean, I just I can't. You know, my thing is, (laughs) if Obama said the shit that Trump said, I would have never supported him. Can I tell you the most racist thing in the world right now? What I didn't know. Barack Obama's daughter's names, Malia. When you said Malia, I was like, "Don't." Uh, by the way, I I will That's guess not racist. I I just I knew Chelsea Clinton, I knew Jenna Bush and Jebba what Gemma. I didn't I didn't know the Bush daughters. Name. I knew I the knew. I knew the Bush daughters, but I didn't know. I know Chelsea because Malia, and know. then what's the other one's name? Don't tell me. I don't know it. Oh, you don't know it? So you're not racist. Okay, good. Um, I just call them Obama daughters. One of the things that um during the during the uh. George Zimmerman trial with uh, with um, Trayvon Martin. Yeah. One of the things that really caught me off guard one day was the mom. You know, it's it's interesting. I'm not speaking for all white people. I'm speaking for me, but I know that there are white people that feel the way I do. White people... I'm saying white people just so I don't sound like I'm saying it and I'm a fucking horrible person. Okay, But white people have a hard time connecting with the family aspect when they see the mom shouting and screaming. Like the woman whose boyfriend got shot and she videotaped it. Mm-hmm. Like there was such, I, like I watched that video and I was like, she was saying such fucked up things. Like it was almost like she, she was, it was almost like there was a part of me that was like, is she excited that he, she, he got shot and she got it on tape? Like she was like, Oh, he's dying. You just shot him. He's dying. I'm like, I would never say that in, the, in a car with somebody. I would just never say that. But there was a moment in the Trayvon Martin thing when I saw the mom as a parent. And I realized for the first time in this whole fucking trial, oh, that's just her son. Oh, shit. Like, I'm, I'm looking at this as a politicized thing. You know, the right takes it and turns it into um, a marketing campaign for liberals against conservatives. But I just saw and I was like, oh, that he's just a little boy. Like, he's just a kid. Yeah, He, was he had a, a growth spurt. Smart. Yeah, he had a gross spur, he smoked weed, and, but do they give you a right to kill him? It does and not I give tell you right people, if you would take just a moment when, 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 when a black man is killed and, and just put yourself in that situation, would you want to be treated like that? I'm going to say that, and I know we got to wrap it up, but I, Bert, I was out one day putting rocks in. This is how crazy this country is. I was out putting rocks in front of my yard. Got a, I, got a, I live in a nice neighborhood. I'm the only black family. Got a mix, but we're the only regular black family. Yeah. So this, this U.S. Marshal pulled up to my yard, which he, he lives there. I knew who he was. And he was like, hey, Miss Pat, where you get the rocks from? My fucking neighbor was so concerned with me, two doors down. He ran up there, another white dude, and said, yo, dude, what the fuck you doing fucking with Miss Pat? And he was like, I'm just asking her about her rocks. But it fucked him up so much because black people has been getting killed. Yeah. He want to know why the fuck a U.S. Marshal pull up to my house. Yeah. And he's like, when the guy was like, I live down the street, sir. I just asking her about the rocks. And he was like, oh, Miss Pat, I just want to make sure you was okay. So I'm not saying all white people don't give a fuck about us getting killed. Some do. But at that moment, it made me think like, Wow. This is fucked up. He actually thought that this man pulled up to fuck with us because we was black. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 think, I, I think I'm very sensitive to it. But I'm sensitive to it because, I, you know, I can, I can hear both sides of the fence, but I know what side of the fence I'm on. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the right side. It is, it's, scary, it's scary being black in this country right now for women and men. I'm telling you, Bert, I'm scared. I'm so scared. And I, I'm, I mean, 
I I support the police. When that Dallas shit happened, my thing was, dude, don't go shoot. Them police has got to go home to their family, too. If you that upset, you should have shot the person who upset at you. Don't go shoot five officers that didn't have shit to do with them. And there were probably five fucking control. good officers. Yeah. I don't believe in that. I don't believe for tick for tat. We got to get along in this motherfucking country. But, I mean. What's the a, answer, then? I, if I had the answer, I'd be rich. The, you know what the answer is? These conversations that we're having right now. Yeah, but. Cause, because, because. At the end of this, you know I'm going to give you a hug and and that I have nothing but love for you and you have nothing but love I for me. I have nothing but love for you. And then, and, but there's so many people that just don't want to talk about it. Just don't want to talk about race. They don't, don't want to hear about it. They don't want to hear about it. That's right. And you should talk about. It. And you should go. I mean, I have I have people that's friend. I tell people all the time they badger me. Oh, Miss Pat, you're a Democrat. Why? And I had I wrote a thing on my Twitter. I said, Look, I'm a Democrat. And I respect you being a Republican, but it doesn't mean we cannot love each other. Yeah. And people's like, that is the realest shit I ever heard. Because they try to convert you. You're not going to convert me. And I'm not going to try to convert you. You feel the way, but don't hate nobody. Yeah. Why can't we come all together and love each other? But like we said earlier, there's so many white people that fear black people that's never had a black friend that only see what the media say. Like I tell people when I'm on stage, all white men don't kill their wife. All black people don't kill. All black people don't steal. All Mexicans don't cut their wife's throat. All white men are not You can't say all. You can't say all. That's what happened to Anthony when he said all black women. I'm like, dude, I didn't hit you. I didn't fucking hit you. But I felt like you was talking to me. That's why we carry a gun. That's why we shoot them. No, motherfucker. What you going to shoot me for? I live in Indianapolis. I'm not the black bitch that hit you up under that bridge. That's the statement that you need to, that you need to, that's the statement you need to work on in your stand up is that's a really brilliant statement. When people say something racist, they they you go, hey, I didn't do that, and I'm empathizing with you. But when you say that, I feel like you're talking to me. You are. He was really... talking to me up on that bridge. The black bitch hit me. Oh, they all crazy. No, and I I watched it, and I was like, Anthony Cummins, I don't know you. I never hit you. Don't say all. You don't can't say, say all. Y'all. You can't say don't all. say all and y'all. Cause all and y'all have whoever hit you. That you should have said the bit that black bitch hit me. Yeah, you can't I ain't hit say, you. you can't I wouldn't hit you. It's 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 a uh, what if they what if we did a program in America where you paired up uh, black families and white families and once a month they had to do dinner together and you just had to do dinner at like at especially like, ones that don't have that 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 would never cross each other. Never path. Ca- like you force them to go and spend time with each other and just get to know each other so that like I'm being serious when I say this. My friendship with Red and Donnell really opened my eyes to everything. I remember Red said to this to this day, he goes, It's I made like an observation, we played golf and I said, you know, black guys don't have a problem talking shit on the course. It's very part of the culture mm-hmm. is to almost like trash talk. Any court. You do you do not talk on a golf course. Like you could line up to putt and be like and they'd fucking get in your head. And you're like, that does not happen in white golf courses. You don't speak. And black guys are so much better putters because of it. Because they literally line up putts and just they're fucking Got all the shit going on their head. They almost got shot by the cops driving to the course. They fucking, <laughs> they're the, black guys putt so much better than white people. It's amazing. That's another stereotype. Well, that's why we know we had Tiger Woods then. Yeah, fuck yeah. Well, they're getting into golf too. They what? Uh, what do you? What, what? And you got anything to promote? Um, no. Just what a date couple, you got coming out? I'm in. Uh, pre, what is it? Pure Illinois next week. Okay. So I'm there at uh, 
jukebox. I'm posting this tonight. I'll be posting this right now. Okay. And so then I'm at jukebox and uh, I'm just here. I'm just working on some studio stuff here. And you can go to misspatcomedy.com and see all my dates. And stuff. Get on her Periscope. Yeah, I need to start Periscope. No, I was. You know what is really good is the Facebook Live. Facebook I haven't Live. Done a Facebook Live. Facebook yet. Live's good. Um, do you doing Snapchat? I do a little Snapchat. I think I follow you on Snapchat too. Yeah, I follow you too. Um, but yeah, and then and go out to her show and just hang out with her. Yeah, just hang out with me. And I don't give a fuck what your views is in life. When you come to me, we family. I don't give a fuck if you go cook people feet at the end of the day. Just don't take my fucking feet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cause I, I mean. When it's all said and done, it's all if we just learn to love each other. I mean, if you if we would learn to love each other, a lot of this bad shit that happened years ago, we can it'll start to ease some of the pain on both sides. Yeah. We gotta start learning to love each other. And that's what's wrong with the world. Nobody gives a fuck about each other anymore. I mean, if you listening, when you get a chance, if you white, go and just hug somebody black. If you black, just go hug You're somebody. Get so white. many white guys beat up just walking up to fucking Terrell Suggs. Hey, man. Just what the fuck? <laughs> like, black <laughs> no, guys do not like say, to be touched. <laughs> no, just say, man, I appreciate you. Yeah. I mean, even if you don't want to say, I appreciate Post you. Post a video, guys. Go, hey, man. Just, there's, a new, there's a new viral video campaign we got. It's called Hug a Black Person. Yeah. You go up. You videotape. You say, hey, my, introduce yourself. My name's Burt Kreischer. And I think the way to get through in America is for us to love each other. And I'd like to give you a hug. That's right. And Let post me- that video and I will retweet it. I will repost it. Yes. And, and, and we'll call it, what, hug a black person? Yeah. Hashtag hug a black person campaign. Hug a black person. Yeah. Miss Pat came up with it. I'm promoting it. <laughs> hug a black person. So we can get through this bullshit. Yeah. So we can get through this bullshit. I love it. I love I you, Miss Pat. Too. I love you too, buddy. I wish Leanne could come back here. I think the girls came back. She was like, are we three doing a podcast? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then I, I think she got caught up in shit. Well, my the writer, I'm working with a writer, so she's out front. I need to go get her. Oh, she's black. Okay, so let's she go. probably don't got a tan. Um, what do you think of the renovation so far? I think it's awesome. I did my house. Oh, I can't I can't wait till you invite me over for oh, dinner. Oh, fuck yeah. That'll be the first of that new show. Yeah. Black people and white people eating dinner together. Yeah, we, and you, you bring your dish and we do Plast, our dish. Pass the scissor up. It's got to have ancient mama on it. We don't fuck with it. Yeah, you got to have ancient mama on it, or we don't fuck with it. I love you, Miss Bad. I love you too, Bird. This episode was brought to you by the machine.